Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Thursday evening. The first round has just ended. And we're doing this podcast during the second round. No offense to you second rounders. Hope there's Hall of Famers in there. Uh, joining me from Brooklyn, New York, in Barclays Center, where he's just covered the first round of the draft, is Tim Bontemps. I'm hiding out in Aaron Harris's office. It's the one empty room in the building. I call them and say, can I use your office? I call them and you... Like I called him and said, can I use your office? He said, is it actually open? I said, yeah. And it seems like it got cleaned out. There's nothing in here, but here I sit. It looks like you're in a prison, quite frankly. It, I, it's uh, what I mean. There's, there's nothing in here. It's empty. He feels right at home. <laughs> Joining us from Dallas, where he was at the Mavericks, very exciting draft night uh, tonight, is Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. Uh, they did have fajitas. I went with chickens. You know, I stay away from that with meat. Uh, did have a cookie, snuck in a cookie, cheated, cheated in that sense, but uh, a very exciting night. That that Christian Wood deals, I think, up to like four teams now. So here we go. Yeah. Um, all right. So um, we had an intriguing uh, lottery tonight. Uh, I know mm. there's obviously a lot of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant stuff, and we'll get to that. Uh, but we want to talk about the draft that just unfolded, specifically the lottery. Um, I can't remember the last time that we had um, a surprise number one pick. Um, even Anthony Bennett, when the Cavs did that pick, I think it was known during that day. Um, so uh, Paolo uh, Bancaro um, was projected number three by all the people who I trust. I talked to uh, Paolo's camp earlier in the day on Thursday they thought he was going to Houston. Um, the betting markets in Vegas, uh, starting on Tuesday, started to sh- just the odds started to shrink. And then overnight, um, Tuesday or Wednesday night to Thursday morning, uh, Bancaro actually became the betting favorite. So, um, I wouldn't say that Vegas knew, I think some betters knew, um, from what I understand from some folks. Uh, a couple, at least one, and potentially even two syndicates where it's like groups of sharp betters putting money together, I believe, got some money in. Um, uh, I believe our man Doug Kazarian told me they got it in at around 20 to one, and that started shifting the markets. But um, during the day, it went sort of back. So um, the magic went with, with Bancaro. They were listening to Jeff Weltman, their general manager, uh, I don't know if he's president or general manager, their top basketball operations uh, guy. Listening to him to describe it, um, at least if you want to take him at his word, they didn't have any doubts. This was their number one guy from the start. And while he didn't come to Orlando to actually have a workout and have a private meeting in Orlando, they he said they did meet with him privately um, earlier and that they did a Zoom call with him and that he did full testing uh, both medical and personality testing. And uh, they said these very, they said they were very comfortable bond temps. I'm not sure why with the number one pick, you would try to run a smokescreen scheme. I would think that, you know, unless they were trying to get some sort of offer, which I, I don't, I, I don't know uh, if you really like the guy at one, take the guy at one. I'm not sure why the magic wanted to do a misdirection, but their misdirection worked for what it, for that for what that's worth yeah it was the first of a few confusing things to happen today the way this shook out i mean paolo um 
certainly seems like a guy who could be a nice fit for Orlando. We've, we all know they haven't been exactly had the most offensively uh, gifted team in recent years. They have a bunch of defense first players. He's got a chance to be a really interesting, intriguing offensive player. But to your point, you have the number one pick. I guess maybe they were hoping Houston would come in with some crazy offer at the last second, I guess, uh, since Houston had a lot of interest in Paolo the whole time. But given how, you know, generally across the board, how far ahead these three guys were, to me, it was sort of going to be Orlando was going to take one of those two guys. Oklahoma City was always going to take Chet. And Houston was always going to take whichever guy was left. Mm-hmm. And I mean, McMahon, you know, the Rockets a lot better than me. I'd assume you'd agree with that. So, yeah, I, yeah, this whole thing was odd from the beginning. And, you know, everybody, I think will work out just fine long term. But it was it was pretty strange. Yeah, I mean, I think that the Rockets were probably surprised, um, but I, I, I don't think that they were necessarily panicked or, or disappointed and. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you can make an argument that the Rockets actually turned out to be a winner in this case because Jabari Smith, a defensively versatile guy, you know, more of a, a, a of a pure shooter. You can argue he's a better fit with that young core, you know. And honestly, though, with these teams, when you're drafting one, two, three, you figure fit out later. You you just got to get talent in, but. The Rockets, you know, when I was down there last what week. What about four? Felt, do you draft for fit at four or do you draft for talent? Well, apparently that's the the spot where you start drafting for fit. But <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. We, we, we can't get on the Kings earlier this week for continuing to draft guards and then get on them today for drafting for fit. I don't know. I that well, one. Finish what you were talking about with with Jalen with Jabari Smith. Uh, yeah, I just I, I just on. think I just think that you know they felt like those three guys were kind of in a tier. I don't know what their final rankings ended up being, but I, you know, it wasn't like one is clearly higher than the other than you know than another. I mean, I think you can make an argument, Jabari Smith, if Alperen Shingun is going to be a a starting center moving forward for the Rockets, that Jabari Smith is actually the, the best fit. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think draft night, you know, it's it's a night of heroes and goats. Draft night, it ends up mattering so much. We, we redraft it, we talk about it, mm-hmm. um, but very rarely do we know on draft night um, what happens. And even the, the experts, sometimes they don't know. Um, uh, we'll grade... Them, I mean, I won't because I don't know the prospects. The people as well. who studied them will grade them, right? People who who uh, you know who spend their lives studying these prospects. There's there's several people who work for major media outlets who basically all they do is the draft. And Jonathan Gavoni is our guy, and you know he spends 364 days building to this day every year, traveling across <laughs> Europe and uh, and the, the Pacific Rim, much less all the United States. Um, but you know, we, we you just don't know. Um, I do think that generally the, the ranking of talent played out. Um, uh, there wasn't like a guy who, who, at least in my mind, who was like, Whoa, this guy got picked way ahead of where we thought he was going to get picked or this guy slid way, way back. So the evaluations on the mock draft seem to have the talent in the order that the teams agreed with, um, uh, Bontemps, you think uh, Bancaro is going to be the rookie of the year. You made your very early prediction of him as rookie of the year. So picking the rookie no, of the no, year. No, no, no. That, that was Rockets 
power well, I, forward. I, I mean, I Paolo listen. Bancaro. I think yeah. here's what I will say. I will say that he he is the he is the classic guy who will win rookie of the year. I have no idea if he'll like what he'll be like long term, but he's a guy who will come in and probably average twenty seven and five or something like that a game. Like he's gonna have the ball in his hands all the time. He's a good passer. He's going to rack up assists. He's going to rack up rebounds. He's going to rack up points. Like go back to like Tyreek Evans, right? The year that, you know, that class was Steph Curry and James Harden, all those guys, Tyreek Evans won rookie of the year because he averaged 25 and five. Like I'm not, and I'm not saying Powell's not going to be really good either. Just like he, if you look at these guys, you look at the end of the year, no matter how many wins the Magic have, he's got the profile of a guy who's going to put up big numbers and those guys tend to win rookie of the year. Yeah, so um, Chet Holmgren goes number two. Um, I've been aware of Chet Holmgren for two or three years now. I've watched just him. Brian. Nobody else, Tim. <laughs> just I certainly <laughs> did not. Know, I did not know who Paolo Banchero, Banchero was two three years ago. I did not know who Jaden Ivey was three years ago. I did know who Chet Holmgren was. It was Holmgren just was. a funny. I'm not saying fun, it was just. It was just a funny way to say you've been aware I'm, of him for a couple of years. That's all. I'm. What I'm saying is. Is it even me who doesn't pay any attention to college <laughs> or pro player or uh, high school players? I was even aware yep. of him. Like I'm aware of Victor Wembayama, who I've been watching highlights on for a year now, um, who was likely the number well, one. Probably the first time year. you watched him play was when they played against each other, right? In the under 19s. Actually not. Actually, I think I started following. I know I don't even follow that many players on Twitter. And I think I started following Chet Holmgren on Twitter like. 2019. Wow. So Windhorst. I've Doing watched deep him for a long time. Deep research. <laughs> well, he's from the upper Midwest. What do you want from me? Um, uh, so he's, you know, I, one of the more intriguing prospects I've seen. And I think other people have said that. So mm-hmm. um, I think there was some, you know, I wonder if there was any doubt, uh, Bon Temps, when Jabari Smith was available at number two for Oklahoma City, whether they considered it all. I doubt um, it. I, I doubt it. I I thought the whole time he had the highest upside of any of these guys. And with the way the, the Thunder operate and swinging for the fences, which we'll get to later with the beginning of these crazy machinations the Knicks had today, um, Holmgren was a perfect fit with their team. They've got Shea Gildas-Alexander. They've got Josh Giddy, They've got Lou Dort. They have a giant hole in the middle. Obviously, Chet Holmgren's probably not going to be a center, but he is everything his team needs and i think he's got a chance to be a really really good fit there and a really really good player and i thought i thought you know i obviously you don't draft for fit here you draft for talent but this was a perfect marriage of upside fit and and talent to me for him to go second and 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 he's going to play a lot of center in the nba and people say well look how skinny he is he can't play center in the nba and i always go back to how many how many matchups are you really concerned about guys just absolutely bullying you in the post? And there's you, gonna, you don't want them to guard you all in bead. Right. And, and you know, the, the, the right. top two finishers in, in MVP. Other right. than that, like, Hey, you know, how will he uh, match up against Valanchunas in the post? I don't know, but if you're, if you're playing new Orleans and they want to take the ball out of Zion's hands and Ingram's hands and CJ's hands and run 45 post-ups, I think you could live with that. So my, my point is I don't I just don't know that being skinny necessarily means you can't play a whole lot of center in today's NBA. Well, he's I mean all of his highlights you watch his block shots are all in help defense mm-hmm. because he's got like a 7 foot 6 wingspan. Um you know the, the Thunder had two other picks in the lottery tonight as it turned out which we'll talk about in just a second. Um 
and they didn't use you know they didn't use uh, for either one of them was a they didn't use a big on either was neither one of them they used on a big so they might see Chet Holmgren as a center as you know a, you know playing a lot of center for them we'll see um, okay let's talk about the fourth pick so um, this is where a lot of the P focus was on where the draft would start there was a lot of wonder if the Kings would trade this pick they did not they took Keegan Murray out of Iowa power forward um, who they, I assume they will play alongside Demonis Bonus. Um, and they let Jaden Ivey go to the Pistons at five, the beginning of what the Pistons hope is a potentially transformational night for their franchise. Uh, maybe it will be, maybe it won't be, but certainly they're very excited about it. Um, there's a devastating graphic that was on ESPN earlier today. And I know that just for Kings fans, this is, you know, poking you a little bit, but sorry. Um, they, they talked about how in 2011, Kings took Jimmer Fredette 10th. Clay Thompson goes 11. 2012, Thomas Robinson 5th. Dame Lillard 6th. 2018, the big one. Marvin Bagley the 3rd. 2nd, Luka Doncic 3rd. And then here we have this one. And I don't I don't know what Keegan Murray will be, but certainly this was out of the order that a lot of mock drafters had, which would have had Jaden Ivey um, at, at 4. Uh, and, and now he goes 5 to Detroit in what looks like a potentially really good fit alongside Kate Cunningham. Kate is bigger. Um, so they, they match up, you know, uh, you know, with good size, they both can handle and both can play off the ball. Um, he was in tears. Now, from what I understand, he's an emotional kid. Mm-hmm. I think he's been known to, to get emotional at times. It's one of the things that's in his, um, in his scouting report is that he's emotional. So maybe he cries no matter what. But he's he, head he down cries during rom-coms <laughs> tears, tears pouring out of his, of his eyes as he's getting picked by Detroit um, based on what some of the sort of stuff he said or didn't say about Sacramento earlier this week. I, I wonder if he cries no matter where he gets drafted or he was just, he, so he would have really, no, he would have really cried if he got drafted by the Kings, <laughs> it was um, tears of, <laughs> not tears of joy. Um, I listen in fairness with the graphic and fairness, it is a different general manager. I don't know how many other general managers. I'd yeah, have to there go back several. and look. There were <laughs> <Yes>. several. <laughs> now, uh, so Monty McMahon didn't make those picks. Um, I, I, I was surprised, not that the Kings didn't draft Ivy, but that there wasn't a trade for them to make there. That's what surprised me. If they weren't going to take Ivy, I was surprised that there wasn't, uh, you know, whether it was – the Pacers moving up, the Knicks moving up. I mean, we, you know, we talked about this earlier in the week. I wasn't, I was surprised there wasn't some sort of move down a little lower in the lottery and get assets uh, to, you know, to do so. Von Temps, was that, what do you think about that? I mean, look, Keegan Murray has some real fans in the draft. I mean, this is a guy who averaged 23 and eight at, Iowa and I think shot 55% from the field and 40% from three like he could be a big time score uh, as a three four for them it could end up being a good fit it's hard to know in the like I've probably spent more time less time studying these draft prospects this year and just about any year in the past because the, fi- the mm-hmm. finals just ended and things have been going on so I'm not going well, to try to ask you to evaluate the players well, no, I'm but asking I, you to evaluate I mean, look, the Kings well, going to fit well, over over well I I'm not, I wouldn't necessarily say it's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's fit over talent. Like Murray, it's not like Murray was the 10th pick in most people's mocks. He was somewhere between four and six and he went mm-hmm. fourth. So 
I think what I, what I will say, though, is we're talking about the Kings who have missed the playoffs 16 years in a row. So I think it's very fair to be skeptical of what they are doing and look at Jaden Ivey and say, well, they didn't want to draft another guard because they drafted Halliburton two years ago and they drafted Davion Mitchell and they still have De'Aaron Fox. They didn't have want to have another guard there, especially when the guy said it wouldn't be the worst outcome in the world to play in Sacramento and made it seem like he'd rather eat glass than play on the Kings. So I, I think it's fair to question it, but look, we could be sitting here two years from now and Keegan Murray could look like a star. So, yeah. you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. But again, this all goes back to the Kings have given us no reason to give them any benefit of the doubt over the past bunch of years. And until they start to, I think it's safe to assume they're screwing things up. Yeah. And I like Ivy a lot. Obviously his athleticism is ridiculous. It, it gets the, you know, the rust comparisons to, to, for, you know, for a Troy Weaver uh, connection, obviously the, uh, the, the John Morant comparisons is his mom was an assistant in Memphis there uh, during John's rookie year. The, the one question I have in terms of his fit with Cade is I think it's hard to play off the ball in the NBA if teams are happy to let you get three point looks. And so, but, you know, on the, on, on the other hand, uh, three point shooting is, is one thing that you can develop. You cannot develop that kind of athleticism. You either have that or you don't. We've seen plenty of guys who came in the league as questionable or, or even poor three-point shooters and have developed to at least being good spot-up shooters. I think if that's going to be a great fit, he's going to have to develop into being at least a good spot-up three-point shooter. I'll point out that the uh, the Thunder tonight took two guys named Jalen Williams. So that should be fun. <laughs> Um, okay. So Detroit has to be thrilled with that pick. Now let's talk about what happened, you know, at the 11th spot, which, you know, mm-hmm. there's obviously other lottery picks there. We'll talk about them a lot in the coming weeks, summer league, et cetera. But I think shade on sharp being interesting, going to, you know, a, a high upside, but high development player going to, to, to Portland who kept can I, pick. That's can I say something about that real quick? Yeah. He was the number one prospect in high school before he went to Kentucky. He then didn't play at Kentucky. I don't think it's a coincidence. Our guy, Mike Schmitz, who now is with the Blazers in his first draft there, drafted Shaden Sharp. Like that guy, to me, if of all these teams in the top, after the top three picks, I don't know if Shaden Sharp is going to work out or not, but on his pedigree, he's got gigantic upside. So I loved Portland, even though they've got Dame, obviously they're trying to win now. I love that swing for them because if that kid works out, he is a huge athlete on the wing who can score. Like that's the kind of swing. If I'm one of these teams like at Indiana or Sacramento, like these teams that are struggling to find a real star player. I just thought that was a great move by the Portland to take a kid with massive upside and we'll see if it works out or not, but given where they're at, they don't to me have a clear future going forward. I really like them doing that, not trying to do something to win immediately with a team that's not going to be able to win anyway. Well, they just traded for Jeremy Grant the right. day before. So right. they, they, so did they did both. The they didn't need right. a use exactly. to, to do their win-now move, and then they were able to take a, a high upside swing at seven. Well, um, I, I, knew that, I knew that he was a bit of a mystery man when uh, Kevin Pelton was on earlier this week, and he was using his AAU stats to, uh, yeah. to, to try to grade him. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the Knicks at 11. Um, 
the Knicks had hoped to, to trade up for Jaden Ivey. I don't know if they really got anywhere for that. Um, I knew that a couple of things that I knew before we go over exactly what the Knicks did. And I'm going to read it, Bontemps, even though Bontemps, with a little bit of help for me, tracked it down. So I, I, I'm afraid you might go too fast, Tim. So I'm just going <laughs> to I'm going to read it in just a second. Especially uh, even he's though- chugging like regular Pepsi. <laughs> I, listen, it's been a long day, McMahon. This this Knicks trade, this these Knicks trades seriously broke my brain. I spent an when hour I, trying to figure this out. When I heard him crack it, I thought I didn't think it was a Pepsi. And I will say, if I drank a Pepsi this late at night, I'd be up till dawn. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. Okay. So just a couple of things. The Knicks, if they couldn't trade up, were interested in trading back the entire day. They were having talks with several teams behind them for days. Um from what I understand, they were like, calling teams behind them looking to move down. So one thing that I think I can say with relative confidence is whatever the Knicks thought about um, the, their options at 11, they were not enamored with them uh, going into the draft. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that that was my feel. The second thing I'll say is that Clearing cap space seems to be a big priority. Going into tonight, it seemed like clearing cap space was something they definitely wanted to do, which we knew that they would have interest in that. So that seemed to be a goal for tonight. Maybe not walking away with a great prospect was the goal. Maybe this was the exact part of their strategy. But they definitely uh, did not prioritize drafting at 11. So over the course of a few minutes, they made two trades. First, they traded... Three actually made round. they actually made three trades. You're right. They did make three trades. Okay. But essentially one was a three team trade. So they traded the 11th pick to Oklahoma city who had the 12th pick. Now uh, Cleveland and Oklahoma city were eyeing each other throughout the last few days. Um, I think both wanting the same uh, prospect Osman, uh, Jang, uh, who is who's French but played in the Australian League last year, a six foot ten project uh, wing player. Um, the Thunder were wondering if the Cavs were going to get to eleven. the The Cavs were wondering if the Thunder would take Jang ahead of them, and I think they both had. I shouldn't say I think. I know they both had talks with the Knicks throughout the day, so it was the Thunder who do the deal. But instead of swapping with the Knicks, they kept the twelfth pick and they gave three future first that the, all three of them technically are 2023 first round picks. I don't know how many of them are actually going to convey in 2023. There was a Denver nuggets, 2023 pick that was top 14 protected lottery protected a, De- a Detroit Pistons, 2023 first round pick that is top 18 protected and a uh, Washington wizards, 2023 first round pick that is top 14 protected. And if, if those Not- don't convey, I was just going to say this was not an overly uh, this was not a bowl you overhaul for the 11th pick. We will save our analysis for the end of the uh, announcement. So (laughs) the the Knicks traded three here for an hour with the announcement. I want you to tell you the Knicks traded three firsts. No, I know it's like move off the 11th pick. None of the three firsts can be in the top 11 next year. I don't even think over the year after these picks roll way off. Mm -hmm. Okay, or ever later. A few minutes later, when Charlotte was on the clock with the 13th pick, the, the Thunder make back-to-back picks. Um, they take Jang, and then they take their first Jalen Williams of the night, uh, a wing player, or actually, is he's a guard, if I'm not wrong. Um, a, uh, and then now Charlotte's on the clock. Charlotte 
has two picks at 13 and 15. They need a big man and they know that the Cavs who have a bunch of bigs are not going to take a center. So they know that they can, they can, uh, they know that they're going to get a center that they want. So they trade the 13th pick to New York. What does New York give them for the 13th pick? They give them a first round pick that they had just gotten from Oklahoma city, the Denver first round pick for next year, top 14 protected and four second rounders, which I don't even know what those four were, but I know that the Knicks had three in next year's draft. They might've been all from three of them might've been from that. So Charlotte for the 13th pick gets a 2023 protected first from Denver and four first, four second rounders for Jalen Duran, who go, he was a Nick for 15 seconds and he gets shipped to Detroit. Detroit came in. Um, uh, Duran was regarded as a, what would you say guys? He was a, top 10 pick on a lot of boards. Some Ten-ish. people had him going lottery, a lottery pick. Yeah. Look, mid to late lottery. Him, some people had him going to San Antonio. I saw at, mm-hmm. at, in the, yeah. at number nine, Yeah, anywhere, um, anywhere from nine to 14. So Detroit took the 2025 Milwaukee bucks pick that they had gotten the day before for Jeremy Grant uh, from the trailblazers. God, I'm even getting confused, even though I know what it is, but there's so many team names. <laughs> They only had the pick for 24 hours. They send it to New York. So New York emerges. Oh, and the Knicks offload Kemba Walker in the trade. Uh, Kemba Walker is on the books for $9.1 million next year. Can, so, I, can I sum this up in one line, Brian? Go ahead. Well, wait a minute. So at the end of everything, out goes the number 11 pick, Kemba Walker and his $9 million salary for next year and four second-round picks. That went out the door for the Knicks. In the door for the Knicks, three first-round picks, all of them protected. And um, that's it. Three first-round picks. It's likely that Detroit and or Washington won't end up being a first-round pick. Those are the picks they got. From Houston, but the Washington one rolls over to like 2026. They are, they both I mean, roll over that far. Yeah, they're, they're, they're both. Sim- it's like the the protection gets a little lighter and a little lighter. Yes. You know, maybe they. Get I don't a first think you can maybe say something don't. with three or four years away it likely won't yeah. be a first round pick. But if your point is, I, I you're not like a, that. It's, it's not a premium it's, pick. If your point is that those yeah. aren't premium picks, you are. That's a fair state. I, I said one of. I, I'm willing to bet one or the other they won't end up getting a first round pick out of it. Again, those are the picks they got for. Uh, the 16th pick last year when Houston took Shingoon. Um, when you say they, you mean the Thunder, when the Thunder picks up the yes, Thunder. Yes, the, the Thunder, the, the thunder, the thunder, thunder got, got to we, a trade we panned at the time because we didn't like the value they got for the 16th pick. Yeah, and I think... At least I panned. I'd have, I'd have to look at the Thunder's stockpile of picks which we don't have time to go through that whole this thing is based, this, these are the worst picks they right these are those the worst are the picks they have. right i was gonna say i i, I would so think they say among the, i mean i'm editing okay you. they're among the worst among, picks they have they, i'm pretty sure they're the worst they're they're at minimum among the worst i mean we yeah, had this it, conversation last year about the shingun trade whereas like shingun was a highly rated prospect who fell to 16 and they got two mediocre to bad firsts for that pick and now they turned around to their credit they turned around and used them with another mediocre to bad pick, this pick from Denver, to get the 11th pick in this year's draft and keep the 12th pick and get two picks in the lottery to get guys well, they I want. Will say, one thing I want to point out about the Knicks, I forgot to say this. Mm-hmm. In addition to 
to getting the three firsts. They also moved off $5 million. They would have had to pay the 11th pick mm-hmm. and the $9 million salary of Kemba Walker. So they, they now have cleared in the neighborhood of $20 million in cap space uh, for next week. I think it's a little F- 15, lighter than, $15 million. Dollars. You turned five and nine and 20 somehow. No, I said total cap space. I, I, I think th- Bobby Marks had him at 18, and then that's not including the hold for Oh, Robinson I'm sorry. Coach. You were saying total cap space. I'm sorry. I thought you were not saying that's what they traded in that tonight. deal. Got it. I, I was confused by what you were saying. My bad. Um, yeah, I mean, so look, you said to you, me. Bontemps, you said you had a theory about what they're doing. Well, I mean, it's not a it's not. A, I mean, it's a much less galaxy brain theory than what the Knicks did today, which was pretty galaxy brain all the way around. But to me. You have to look at this and think one of two things. The Knicks are trying to sign Kyrie Irving. The Knicks are trying to sign Jalen Brunson. It's hard to look at this and think mm-hmm. of anything else. They now have all these extra picks, as you mentioned, between not paying the 11th pick, not paying Kemba. It's $14 million they're now not paying. They have three extra first-round picks that frankly aren't very good picks. I mean, yeah, maybe it works out where they're good picks. They're probably not good picks. Those are the kind of picks you get if you're trying to maneuver around like the Thunder did today to get back in the draft or to do something else, right? If the Knicks are able to shed another $20 million in salary, they're in prime position to just offer a max contract to Kyrie Irving. And they're the one team, as we've talked about multiple times, and I see your Facebook, man. It's a fair face to make. Everyone knows my position. I would not be wanting to pay Kyrie Irving. However, as I have said repeatedly since this whole Kyrie thing came up, the Knicks are the one team of all these teams that are involved, whether it's, you know, all the teams that Adrian put out in the list today, the Knicks are the one team that have the ability to clear the space to sign him. And by these moves today, if they want to do it, they've at least given themselves the ability to, and they've also given themselves the ability as McMahon knows full well to offer Jalen Brunson potentially as much money as they want and make it really, really expensive <clears throat> for Dallas to keep him. Okay. Let me ask you this, McMahon. So first off, mm-hmm. so first off, let's just acknowledge that the Knicks and Jalen Brunson, I don't know I've ever seen a team more attached to a free agent ever. Yeah. Where I mean you deep, have deep blood and essentially family ties. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom. Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. With the safe return of live events, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. That's right. Every alley-oop slam, every one-timer, every sideline grab can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats Rewards, you can earn rewards like free tickets. All you have to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. From upper level to courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Visit vividseats.com to download the app today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live.
So well, not essentially Leon, literal family no, ties. No, Rick Brunson's literal family ties. He I'm just talking hired Leon his Rose dad is to, like to, right. yeah, Leon Rose right. is essentially his second the, father figure. To, yeah. to Sam over, Rose me, is one of Jalen okay. Brunson. Sam Rose, Leon's okay. son, is Hold one on. of Jalen's whoa, agents. Whoa, whoa, too much talking. <laughs> Rick Brunson. Only Brian, can talk. Only Brian can talk. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys are talking over each other and you're just assuming that people know this. I don't believe that the average okay. fan knows that McMahon, Sam Rose McMahon was explaining. is his agent. Okay. They, they read every word I write. I've written this. Every, every word. Every syllable. Okay. <laughs> I apologize I if I'm being repetitive. I'm just trying. Sometimes, Bontemps, you talk a little much and a little fast. Sorry. I McMahon was talking. All right. Sam Rose who is wow. Leon Rose's son, is one of Jalen Brunson's agents. Jalen Brunson's father, Rick Brunson, is on the, is now assistant coach. And there's For all the kinds third of- time on a Tibbs staff and has known Tibbs since he was in high school. And then Leon Rose, the Knicks president, obviously, longtime agent, was Jalen Brunson's original agent. He probably held Jalen within days of his birth. He probably was holding Jalen. 100%. So, and also negotiated this contract where despite the fact that Jalen Brunson is coming off of his rookie contract, he is an unrestricted free agent because, and Bobby Marks can tell you the exact specifics, instead of a, I forgot exactly what it was, instead of a, however the way the fourth year was was structured. It's, well, it's, it's very, they either could have, they either could have made him a restricted free agent or had him as a four-year unrestricted free agent, right? Something wasn't to do a team with, option. I forget the exact. Yeah. What, so the the similar thing. Or, yeah. yeah a, a similar thing happened for Nikola Jokic when Nikola Jokic came out as a second-round pick. The Nuggets signed him to a four-year contract. The fourth year was a team option. If they had let him opt out after the third year, they had he was a restricted free agent. If they had let him go for the full four years, he'd have been unrestricted. They got to the, after three years, they were like, boy, this Jokic guy is pretty darn good. We could get him next year for like $2 million, or we could sign him now and pay him $20 million. That would be less advantageous, but he won't be unrestricted. So we know we control him. So the Nuggets were like, let's sign him now uh, and, not, and, and give him a big raise maybe early. The Mavericks had the same option, and for mm. various reasons, and not even necessarily wrong reasons, um, and also because it was limited how much they could pay Jalen Brunson. Um, actually, Mm-mm. it wasn't. They had full. No, so rights. the Mavericks going into this year, they could have given him an extension for four years, fifty-five mil. Right, it's the same extension Dorian Finney-Smith signed at the trade deadline. They did not offer that extension to Jalen Brunson. But they Until, could have signed him to a new contract last summer. Is that correct? Four-year, $55 million extension. The Mavericks at the time questioned whether he was worth that, thought he was maybe more of a full mid-level type of guy. They made Brunson, a mistake. A, a, a $50-plus million mistake. He's going to get more than – he might get more than twice that. Brunson went to them in January and said, hey, you know, I've been starting. We're winning now. Like, I feel good. I want to be here. If you put that extension on the table, I'll sign it. They said no. They didn't put it on the table until after the trade deadline. And that was because if something would have come up, if a star would have become available, they wanted, and they understood if a star becomes available, there's two two guys everyone's going to ask for, Finney Smith and Brunson. If you extend them, you can't trade them. They wanted, they didn't want to be handcuffed. Well, that obviously ended up being a mistake. Now they're going to be handcuffed in a different way. 
Well, and and here's the thing. The Mavericks now are either going to pay Jalen Brunson a lot, and I think the contract would end up being five years, maybe with a player option, it, you know, 115, somewhere in that range. They, I think they're it's going to be ones. higher. I think it's going to be higher yeah, than that, maybe, isn't maybe it? Maybe higher. Maybe higher. They're the only ones who can give them five years. They do have, you know, full bird rights, so they can go as high. Um, the Mavericks, I would say, are still certainly Jalen Brunson is still firmly in their plans. I would say optimistic, but this is not maybe it ends up being a second that, uh, you know, free agency opens type of deal. It's not a done deal right now, though. What do you do? You think they have a walk away? Do you do you think there's a walk away number for them? I don't know. I think there used to be, and they've blown by that, brother. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, this is set up. Yeah. This is like I said. Well, how what much the Knicks more did today? Knicks, now the Knicks have these first round picks. So in theory, can they can they dump Nerlens Noel? Well, yeah, I mean, they they can like, dump they, a I mean, lot look, of things. They've listen, got these picks so, now. They've so look. So here. So here's the thing about, about the Knicks. Okay. So here's the thing about the Knicks, because to me, this the, this whole thing the Knicks did, I mean, it easily became outside the top of the draft, the most important thing or the most interesting thing, I should say, that we saw here. So the Knicks roster now is basically a ton of guys who are in the last year of their deal. So they got rid of Kemba Walker. So all these guys have team options for after they are guys who are under contract for 22, 23, who have a team option for the following year. Derek Rose, 14.5 million. Alec Burks for 10, Nerlens Noel for nine, and then some of their young guys are after that. But those three guys plus Cam Reddish, those it's somewhere in the neighborhood of $40 million in expiring contracts for those four guys. If they can get rid of, and that doesn't, inco- that doesn't count for Evan Fournier, who's making 18 by himself for the next year. So among those five guys, there's $60 million in salary. If they trade 20 of it, they're in position to offer a max deal to somebody. So Okay. Let me just okay. So maybe they want Jalen Brunson and maybe they just want optionality because maybe Jalen Brunson stays with the with the Mavericks on a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the lay of the land right now. Do we honestly believe that the Knicks want Kyrie Irving? And 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 and, and more than do you want Kyrie Irving? Let's let's and- let's realize that. If you get Kyrie Irving, it's not just Kyrie Irving, the player. It's Kyrie Irving, the player who is expecting a large, obviously very large contract. Mm-hmm. It's both kind of like hard. You're not just trading for hard and you're trading for hard and his demands. Do you honestly believe that the New York is unreliability? Well, here's what I'll say. I am going to start off this by saying I would not do this. I would not sign Kyrie Irving. I would not give up assets to clear cap space to sign Kyrie Irving. My thoughts on Kyrie Irving are. Well, no. However, if I'm the Knicks who spend all their time focused on the team over here, like they do a lot, they've been completely overshadowed by the team over here for the last three years. Mm-hmm. They saw Kevin and Kyrie come to the Knicks, come to the Nets and not the Knicks. The Knicks have not been good. You have a front office that's under a lot of pressure to be good, right? You've got Kyrie who is mad and clearly is trying to get some leverage to get paid by the Nets. Talking about, you know, there, you know, maybe there's talk, maybe he's going to go to Lakers for $6 million. Well, he could go across the river, play for the Knicks, become a god in the city. Because if Kyrie went and played for the Knicks, he'd be the most popular athlete in New York City instantly. <clears throat> and touch him, man. I'm, listen, and you've got Tibbs, who has had a ton of success with small guards, 
would just let Kyrie run his stuff on offense. And if you're the Knicks who have been desperately trying to get a star, you can get a star who a lot of guys in the league want to play with. Now, I am not, I am all, I am saying all that while saying at the beginning and the end, me personally, I, I wouldn't be in the Kyrie Irving business. However, for a Knicks team that can't, has not been able to get stars, that has struck out repeatedly, that could be feeling some heat to get some players now after the way last year went, I can see where I could see how they could get there. And all I'm saying is these moves they made today, the only way it makes sense is if they clear 20, 25, 30 million dollars and they go try to sign somebody for a max. Because otherwise, they took the 11th pick in the draft and turned it into a bunch of crappy picks. Let me ask so, you this. Would you rather pay Jalen Brunson 25 mil a year or Kyrie Irving call it an opt-in and trade? And so you've got him at 36. I would Kyrie and, Irving 25 million a year. I agree with you 100%. And it's not like, I'm sorry. Kyrie torched things in Cleveland, torched things in Boston. Listen, I has yeah, torched yeah. things in Brooklyn. Like the next team who trades for him deserves to get torched. I to I, me, I, to me, I'm what I'm doing. If I'm a team that's clearing out space that's in a glamour market, and I guess the Knicks count. It's never the really Knicks helped them. The Knicks, the Knicks definitely count. I know I'm making a joke, but they don't know it doesn't ever it doesn't ever appear I, that I, way. I'm soon she stay. I'm trying to wait for Durant. I'm waiting for the other the other shoe to drop. <laughs> and then Durant says, "Hey, I want to play with Kyrie again." Well, I mean, I mean, look, there. I don't think there's any way on God's green earth that the uh, that the Knicks would that the Nets would ever get Durant to the Knicks. I think they. I don't think there's a literal way they would ever do that trade, no matter how much stuff the Knicks had to trade. However, I will say this. Again, and I'm just playing devil's advocate on this, so we're not all saying the same thing. But if you're the Knicks and you get Kyrie Irving for essentially, you know, let's say they need another first, maybe two of these firsts to move off of um, some of this salary. You then have a star on the Knicks who, again, guys around the league like Kyrie Irving. So maybe they could then trade for a second star and then they have two stars on the team. Again, I'm just saying Uh, I can see from this scenario – Look, I could just see from say the this. way this has played out today that I could see how you could talk yourself into doing this. And it it sure seems like they're gearing up to get max cap space. And there's so one they, guy to trip so, to go sign. So theory. the Knicks have the Knicks still have the Mavericks pick next year. Is that correct? correct. Uh, McMahon? I'm going to mm-hmm. look up the Knicks pick situation while we're talking. And so they sure just picked they up three additional firsts tonight. So that First means dishes. that the Knicks, the Knicks own all of their picks plus four others. Granted, not all of them are mm-hmm. super interesting, but that means that they, I think. Yeah, the Knicks trade. have no picks out going. The, the Knicks have no outgoing picks and they have. Uh, and yes, and they have those three. They have those three first. So they can trade. Seven firsts if they would have to. Um, because you can trade up to seven years in advance. You can trade every other year. And then they have the three extra ones that they can trade if they want them. Actually, yeah, you're right. It's four extra ones. It's the three next year plus the um, Dallas pick. Yeah, and they, and look, I mean, they've got you know if if they wanted they to put RJ Bear in a trade, I think there'd be a lot of interest there. I mean, they've got things to put in trades for sure. By the way, 
so the Rockets may not have uh, been happy about uh, Blancaro or Bancaro going to number one, but how do the Rockets feel about the uh, Brooklyn Nets draft that they ecstatic. control for the next seven ecstatic. years? Ecstatic. Well, I'll tell you and, what. I'll tell you what too. The Rockets at seventeen got a kid, Tari Eason, who is seen by many people to be one of the elite defensive players in the draft. And given they have a bunch of guys who like to score, not necessarily defend, is a pretty nice fit on their team. I think with him, yeah, they got. I think they with him and Jabari. They also got Tyshawn Washington at the end of the draft, who people think is a another high upside, very high ceiling type player. Yeah, I don't think again. I don't think the Rockets were heartbroken about the Ben Carroll thing. They got one of the top three players in the draft, whatever it fell. But as far as the Brooklyn thing goes, dude, this they made that trade in part because they're like, okay, we've seen James's star partnerships. You know the history with KD. You know the history with Kyrie, and they kind of felt like made a bet boy, on the future. There and could that, be some. That is what real that is what Raphael Stone coming this way. Raphael Stone said it 15 minutes after he made the trade. He said this was all about the picks because yeah. the the quote unquote player haul that they got was less than impressive. Yeah, and he they was have nothing to show very, for players. He was very clear what they were doing. Well, and there's and, certainly other parts of that trade they messed up, but they didn't mess that part up. Well, they let they, they let Jared Allen go for free, which still is right. well, not for and, free. But they got but, the first but and you know, and I wrote the the story that ran today. Basically what they were doing was stocking up on picks, believing some of those could end up being, you know, lottery, even high lottery picks down sure. the road. Like the last uh, time the they had said this. Yeah, the, the fact that this year was 17 was a huge bonus. And then they were bottoming out. You know, their thing was, okay, yeah, Jared Allen's a good player. Great. We might win 29 games with him and, and draft eight. What the hell does that okay. do for anybody? That's fine. Uh, I still think it would be nice to have Jared Allen right now, but it, it's not a catastrophic mistake. Let's move past that. Um, uh, so, all right. So the Kyrie <laughs> – I just, let me go over a couple more things in this, in this draft. Um, Philadelphia, I thought, made – you know, uh, grand the, slam trade for the, for the week, for the week leading up to the draft, they was, they were shopping the number 23 pick and, uh, Danny green, who had, I think $10 million guaranteed together. Well, his contract, his contract was, is non guaranteed is going to be guaranteed now that he was in this trade. It was, it was a nine. Mm-hmm. It, they had the option to either cut him or trade him for somebody. And they traded right. him for somebody really good. So they got D'Anthony Melton from the, from the Grizzlies, by the way, the Grizzlies, as they have done, now three years in a row, traded up for a pick. Um, and the Grizzlies draft really well. So um, they they yeah, they drafted. made two. They traded up kind of twice. They traded two late firsts um, to move into the teens, and then they trade and then they got the Philly pick for the Anthony Melton um, to move back in. So they kind of traded up twice. Um, so they still came out of the draft with two firsts in tonight. Um, and we'll see, uh, you know, he, they drafted, um, a couple of guys that I don't know much about. I'm, you know, you have to have, you have to see Jonathan Gavoni about that, but I didn't know much about Des Bain, uh, two years ago. So this is true. Well, Jake Laravia, Jake Laravia from wake is a pretty interesting power forward. And the other guy that drafted David Brody was, uh, actually, uh, featured in, Kevin Arnovitz's pretty interesting article on the uh, 
the Phoenix Suns and uh, their belief that the draft is basically not something you should pay attention to. So I would go read <laughs> Kevin's piece because it was very interesting. And there was actually a lot of talk about David Roddy in that piece. So you can learn about David it. David Roddy is from Colorado State. Is that right? That's mm-hmm. correct. Colorado State. He's a Ram. Um, okay. And, and I'll say this. Zach, Zach, there you go. Zach Kleiman. <laughs> um, I think you give him. You give him benefit of the doubt based on his it's a it's not a long track record, but his track record is when he's targeted guys in the draft, Bain obviously being an example, Xavier Tillman. Um yeah, uh, didn't they trade up for Brandon Clark? Brandon, Brandon Clark being another example. Zaire Williams. Did they trade up for him? I'm trying to remember. They yeah, that also I guess they did. They did. They had uh they didn't trade up uh, much, they traded up like a spot or two because they had the Jazz's pick from the Conley deal, and Brandon Clark was technically you know, quote unquote, oh, a thunder oh, pick. Right. So yeah, that's right. Um, so they, this is the four years in a row. Every, so it's every year Zach Kleiman this moved is, up. This is what he does. He 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 yeah. moves up. He finds the guys he wants. He moves up and gets them. And is, again, so far, so good on his track record with that. Yeah. Okay. So that these are just some of the notes that I wrote down. Um, uh, so I think coming out, Detroit feels like, you know, if you look at where Detroit is, they're, you know, the Jeremy the Jeremy Grant trade initially you felt a little weird about it because they prioritized um, <clears throat> getting cap space, but the pick they flipped immediately for a lottery pick the, the next day mm-hmm. that ended up working out really well. Maybe they knew they were going to be able to get that. Maybe they were in talks all along with Charlotte and felt okay about well, that. But. Well, and the other the other thing to say about about the Pistons too there Brian is there's been a lot of talk about the Pistons and DeAndre Ayton right, mm-hmm. and they take the 25th pick. They turn into Jalen Duran, who is a center, and who is a guy Troy Weaver, by all accounts, including Adrian's, really, really liked. So you would think they're probably not going to turn around and go after another center in free agency. However, they are a team, even though they did draft Jaden Ivey, that has been linked a lot to Jalen Brunson and has a ton of money to spend. So they're another team. Yeah, that so could they've also been so they on Sexton. They reduced and, their caps. and Miles Bridges too. Mm-hmm. They reduced their cap space um, by, let's see, about fourteen million off the top of my head um, by getting the second first round pick. But but and, they still got they still got it well of well north of thirty. Okay, I know, but you know there was a concept that they could do two significant free right. agents, and so now. But um, I mean, they you know, could they could still have forty five million dollars if they turned on a couple of options. I think they could have had before these trades today as much as like fifty eight million in space. So they, you know, the, they the could thing, still have a lot of space. The thing with the Pistons and Aiden, to me, if it's not a sign and trade, why wouldn't the I know the Suns seem prepared to move on from Aiden. They can't do it if they get nothing in return. Why wouldn't they just match that and you're shopping them until you can trade them six months from now? I know that there were harsh feelings and, you know, Monty Williams, who's one of the classiest guys you'll ever meet kind of threw some mud at eight, mm-hmm. eight and late. I, I've the executives I'm talking to do not think that Aiton necessarily is going to leave. They think that he could still be back. I wouldn't say it's like 90%, but they don't think that door is closed. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is, all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. 
And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Starting your own small business can be a total roller coaster. Between all the ups and downs, twists and turns, and highs and lows comes the actual business side of your business which can really throw you for a loop. Luckily, with QuickBooks, you can get paid, run payroll, and know where your business stands from the start. So no matter how bumpy the ride gets, you can always stay on track. New business, no problem. Success starts with Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more at quickbooks.com. QuickBooks payroll, QuickBooks payments, and QuickBooks online account required. Yeah, I, I think if it's not a sign and trade, they have to, even if it's a matching situation. You cannot pick a guy number one and let him walk for nothing four yeah. years later you when he's been that a that good be player. True. You would think that would be true. And there's been a lot of attempts by media and fans to find sign and trades for Aiton that make sense. And there hadn't I've seen a lot of people's ideas, and I haven't seen a lot that I was like. Yeah, that could happen. Well, one of them that so, did make some sense was Jeremy Grant. Now that's not on the table. And I didn't even love that one either, to be honest. I mean, with I'm not saying I loved it, but at least you could sort of rationalize it. Yeah. Well, one of them that is kind of interesting, Minnesota. I, I got to evaluate everything they did. Minnesota moved around tonight. Um, they traded twice in the first round. I got to evaluate every, everywhere Minnesota is. I'm not really quite there yet under uh, Tim Connolly. Well, they, they have one been looking thing that was interesting about them was they've been looking for centers and they went yeah. and drafted Walker Kessler from Auburn, who had some crazy shot blocking numbers at Auburn. And, you know, in theory, if they've been looking for centers, he could slot in there next to Carl Towns. You could play Carl Towns, a power forward, and you could try to roll ahead with that, which is an interesting right. situation. Right. Well, that. he, I think Pelton said he was one of the highest block rate centers he's had in his database. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He had crazy block numbers this year. Okay, so um, before we go, I just want to try to get our, I mean, Bontemps and I spent like a half hour or 45 minutes before the draft tonight just trying to process this, the situation that the Nets are in. Um, I can't believe you talked to Bontemps outside of the podcast. I had yeah. to coax, I had to, I had to coax him through it, McMahon. It was, it was a challenge. You have a high pain challenge. threshold. I, I, here's all I'm going to say. When the Nets took a hard line with Kyrie Irving. And by the way, they're not offering him a max contract. It doesn't mean that they're not offering him any contract. It's not like they're offering him a two-year minimum. They're offering him something. Isn't Kyrie kind of really part of management? Why didn't he just give himself <laughs> whatever he wants? Well, they, they, he tried to get into his office, and it was all dusty and, and cobwebby because he hadn't been in oh, there. Oh, that's so not long. where Bon Timps is right now? <laughs> yeah, are you in Kyrie's office, Bontemps? No, Kyrie's oh, office. I'm in the I'm, sure I'm in the I'm in the Nets. I'm in the Nets PR office, so you could you could right. make some jokes about that. <laughs> um, so when the Nets started this process, um, they knew that 
there was a potential for there to be loggerheads and impasse, whatever word you want to use. And they knew that Durant was going to be sitting there. It wasn't like this all snuck up on them. They knew that there was a risk that Kyrie would rattle the saber such as it is. Um, And they knew that that managing Durant was going to be part of this. Why are you laughing at me? Uh, you, there's a you know, loggerheads and sabers being rattled. Loggerheads, when you first said it, I thought it was talking about somebody who enjoyed a, a ice cold beer. Montem's a loggerhead I, for sure. It's, it's I, when, can uh, I, just, I, just, together, buddy. I just, I love watching McMahon's face as you go through a soliloquy. It's one of my favorite things about doing this spot. It's great. Uh, it was better off when we didn't see each other. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it made more fun. I love looking at that perfectly. How do you pronounce the C-O-I-F-F-I-D? Quaffed? Quaffier. Quaff. Yeah, you, you, your perfect little moose hairdo. I, I love looking at it. It's 11, it's 11.57 Eastern time, and Windhorse looks like he came off the golf course, strolled <laughs> into the studio, ready to go. I, did, I want you to know that while you guys were, were sleeping and enjoying life's dreams, I was working. I had, I had 13 television hits before uh, oh. midday today. All oh, right. Man, man I got a super small little business. violin here. A super small little violin here. <laughs> well, you're acting like I'm just, I'm just, I'm almost, a as, I'm almost as sympathetic to, uh, to Wendy's plate as I am to Kyrie's. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, so they knew that Durant was, you know, was going to be an issue. I think that, you know, the way people process it as they're seeing like this update, they, they feel like there's a crisis. And certainly it's a, um, it's a difficult situation, but the Nets are aware of what they were going to do. And so Kyrie, to me, from my view vantage point, and please disagree with me, gents, I feel like it's Kyrie who's thrashing around, not the Nets who are thrashing around. But the Nets have a fragile situation because if Durant is turned off by how this comes out, then they got a real problem. Yeah, so, and, and and the Nets, like they the Nets are just so all in on this because like blow it up and all you're doing is building up the Rockets. It's it, it's you're right back into the same situation of hey, look what look how great the Celtics are. Thank you, Nets. And it it'd be right back in that same situation. So like you talk about a, a they've never they have not had a single bit of control of this situation since they agreed that, hey, taking on Kyrie and his talent is worth it with KD coming along with him. I mean, that goes back to literally the second it happened and they said, oh, sure, we'll sign uh, DeAndre Jordan, who's washed up to a four-year, $40 million deal. That'd be great. And then you know they they go and they do the hard thing that blows up in their coach, face. Don't it's forget just, about the coach. They knocked the coach out. I they knocked the coach. There you go. Um, because he dared to start Jared Allen over DeAndre Jordan. I mean, how but, could you well, imagine listen, that I know, awful decision? Jeez. I know we're I know we're getting a chance to let Ben flog his favorite target, who is DeAndre Jordan. However, the real moment. I I don't make things up. I'm just messing with you. I, you're, obviously, you're correct. The real moment, though, when this ended for the Nets. Now, all, everything you said is right, but the real moment where they lost control of this was in mid-September or mid, mid-December, I should say, when they let Kyrie come back. That was when everything changed because when they, when they put down the hard line in October that we're going to either be all in or all out and you're either going to be vaccinated or not and you're either going to play every game or not, 
they were the bet. They had the best record in Easter conference in mid December. And the second they said, Kyrie, come on down, mm-hmm. play in road games, bring on the circus. That's when Harden was like, get me out of here. That's when everything went to hell. And that's when all their leverage over the situation went away. And while you are right, Brian, in that Kyrie clearly is trying to get paid. The Nets are also thrashing around here because to McMahon's point, if Kyrie decides I'm going to go sign for the Knicks or I'm going to go sign for the tax MLE with the Lakers or whatever, if he just leaves, then Kevin Durant, who knows what he's going to want to do, but their team's not going to be good. They might have to try to trade him or he might want to try to get traded. The whole thing becomes a huge mess. And the truth is whether we think that anybody wants to be wedded to Kyrie Irving or not, they put themselves in a situation where they have to be because they don't have any other choice. It's a toxic marriage and divorce would be devastating for both sides. Yeah, that's That's exactly it. And I would say that the Nets had to realize, I mean, they, they had to discuss this. If they didn't have a discussion with Durant or his representation before this started, they'd be in complete dereliction of duty. And I'm sure I know more than I can say. What do you want me to say? I, I mean, they had to feel where Kevin Durant was before they did this. <laughs> What'd you say? I said, we want you to say what you know. Yeah, well, all I'm going to say is um, it's not like this wasn't foreseen. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, but- the other, and, the other thing, and the other thing I'll add to just put a, put, to come back around to the Knicks, if you want to ask why the Knicks would want to sign Kyrie Irving, don't. And I'm, this is not with any reporting, to be clear. I'm not reporting the Knicks are going to try and side Curry at all. But having lived in New York for a long time, having covered this basketball in the city for a long time, I would not downplay the, the fact that if the Knicks signed Kyrie Irving, it would send the Nets into a nuclear inferno. And that James Dolan, I think, would be pretty happy if he could send the Knicks in, send the Nets into a nuclear inferno. So, yeah, well, again, and a nuclear, I don't know what, that, I don't know what the it. Knicks were... I don't Everybody know what the Knicks are doing today. I don't know what the Knicks are doing today, but they have at least set themselves up with the possibility of signing this guy. And if they did, it would create all kinds of absolute chaos. So, but we'll but, see what happens. But would it make well, the Knicks cool this. again? Let me ask you this: If Kyrie <laughs> Irving, if Kyrie Irving picks up, I didn't hear that line. Sorry, what did you say, McMahon? I said, would it make the Knicks cool again? <laughs> yeah. Ask Durant. Um, if Kyrie <laughs> picks up his option for $37 million, which has been hinted today by Shams Tarania from The Athletic, who generally has been reporting Kyrie's side of events for months. Shams implied today that Kyrie intended to pick up his option and then ask for a trade. If Kyrie picks up his option for the $37 million, which is what any rational person would do, right? If he wants to, especially if he wants to be traded, because you're not going to do what? Go sign for the taxpayer mid-level? Rationality is not what I would say pay for Kyrie here. Okay, we're well, right. It doesn't make any sense for him to take a $30 million pay cut. Number one, why would the Nets trade him? Number two, once he picks up that option, his bank account is obviously way better off, but his option, his personal options get much smaller. I mean, the Lakers listen. can't, you know, the Lakers can't acquire him if he's making $37 million. Why, why, why would the Nets the trade Clippers him? Because you can't, can't keep him. him if you cannot keep him if he 
knows that there's another team that he wants to go to that's willing to, you cannot keep him. He will not show up. And if he does show up, it Boy, will be that a has total never happened circus. before. Him well, not great. showing up. That's never happened before. So why well, it also so has happened. Rather... It's also happened with another guy that's on his team, by the way, who is so, so not you, actually so you, played for them yet. You would rather pay the guy 36 million to be a total pain in the ass than to no, get whatever value my you can salvage. Is, my point is Kyrie's leverage is by opting out. Once Kyrie well, you opts could. in. You could also say he opts in and then looks at it and says, if I play one more year with the Nets and I actually show up and play 65 games next year and I'm good, then I could sign. There's going to be a ton of teams with cash space next summer and I'll get, I'll sign for a bunch of money. And I think at this that, point, I mean, that's a that's a brokered compromise. The Nets would be happy to sign up for. Right. Well, I think that's what I mean. Like, I don't I think if he opts in, that might be exactly what happens. But again, like all this other stuff is fine. I just think. The, to me, the biggest thing to come out of tonight is at, as of this morning, he didn't have a realistic option to go somewhere else in free agency, other than if you want to say he's going to sign for $6 million, which again, he gave up $18 million this year. Maybe he'll give up 30. If anybody in the league would do it, it'd probably be this guy. But now the Knicks are in position to at least theoretically sign All the guy. Right. All right. So, well, then, then I assume opt out, Kyrie, opt out. I want to see it. I want to see that opt out. File the paperwork. Um, we'll I will be talking more June about the 29th. That. Well, I hope he doesn't have James Harden's fax machine because that, that thing doesn't work when it comes to <laughs> <laughs> these type of decisions. Woj, Woj reported this week that Harden is actually going to opt in and then maybe sign a short extension, which makes a lot more sense than signing the full extension. But I had this, I had this uh, vision because, you know, supposedly the paperwork had been done and then he didn't send it or he didn't sign it, I should say. I can see him like going through his house. Where was that paperwork for my $40 million option? I knew I had it a few months ago. He's looking all over the place for it. Well, and by the way, given Adrian reported that the Sixers are on Kyrie's list of teams he would like to Nets to consider in the sign and trade, the truly funniest outcome in all of this would be if oh. Kyrie and Harden got swapped for each other. <laughs> he got sent back to Brooklyn and Kyrie got sent to Philly and the entire world. Again, Kyrie signs with the Nets and with the Knicks. Or if him and James somehow got traded with each other, those are the two scenarios where the world would just melt. It would yeah, just but you know, you know, Daryl's not giving up his his. You're not, listen, you're joking just, about that, and you're laughing, and it is funny. But like in a vacuum, it's not the worst concept ever. Because Harden liked playing with Durant and didn't like playing with Kyrie. And hey, did he like and, playing with Durant? Harden was fine playing with the Nets until Kyrie showed back up. All I know is when, when Kyrie showed up, now granted, they got he showed up right as the whole team got hit by COVID. They were in first place by three games. They were doing just fine. Um, but, and I mean, you know, I think Embiid and Kyrie like each other. So, I mean, I agree. Daryl, is as Bontemps wrote, Daryl used to walk around with a shirt that said, Basketball Jesus with uh hard not that's not a guy he's given up but that would be an amazing outcome uh and he and he had to know when he well i'm like you're on the list right i mean he, he's not being he's not being traded for M matisse thibel and uh i mean look uh, 20, I, I don't know what's a, i don't know what to make of anything but there's a, he at least has one more realistic option on the table than he did six hours ago so so here's we'll what see. I know. If he opts, if he opts into his contract, the Lakers 
realistically cannot trade for him. The Nets are not taking Russell Westbrook. Sorry. The Clippers very likely cannot trade for him. There's a package there, but well, I think to me, I think to me, to your point, if Kyrie opts in, I think you assume he's going to be on the Nets next year. If he opts out, then we'll see what happens. Just let me finish. The Heat were also mentioned. Mm -hmm. Is Pat Riley taking Kyrie Irving? I mean, I think he'd fit Heat culture. Uh, again, if I'm Pat Riley, culture. If that's if I'm Pat Riley, I'm like Kyrie, do whatever you got to do. And Kevin, when you get upset, uh, my number is 305 777. That's actually his number. Um, uh, Dallas, is he going to Dallas? No, if he is, his beard, all the white spots are going to spread real quick. He ain't going to Dallas. Look, no, like I said, the pathway to making that work, it it would almost certainly have to be Brunson to Brooklyn. Brunson would have to agree to that. It's like I said, I I certainly have not sensed strong uh, desire in Dallas, but I do think there's one important person here who might be on board. He might be. I think there's one important person in Dallas who might be on board. I have not gotten a sense that it is a uh, anything remotely close to a consensus uh, opinion. Luck, and 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 they, like I said, they want to keep Jalen Brunson. That is playing a priority. Well, also, one. the 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 Nets also couldn't take Jalen in a sign and trade, almost certainly because of the hard cap. So, I mean, it would require them to send so off so much other money. There. I don't think that's even doable, realistically. Hey, no state income you know, tax in Dallas, so uh, in Texas, so you know what? Look, that, that I, to $30 me, million dollar pay to your, cut wouldn't be so bad. To your point, Brian, if Kyrie opts in, obviously he could get traded. It would open up more avenues in theory to get traded. But if he opts in, I think the assumption would be he's on the Nets next year, just based off you. of how game theory thank goes. If he opts out, right. then we'll see what happens. Right. If he opts out, then he's taking a car service to Madison Square Garden and asking for a tour. Uh, all right. Thank you for listening to Hoop Collective Podcast. Thank you, Tim and Tim. Thank you to our producers for staying up late, Jackson and Bruce. And we will talk to you next week. Adios, amigos.